because that's, that was my home church when I was growing up. And in fact, I figured out that Paul's been my pastor longer than anybody else, so it's his fault. Okay? <laughs> um, but actually, Debbie and I both went there, and so that's where I met Debbie. So, yeah, one of the many good things that I got out of that deal um, was my beautiful wife. But um, I just want to just honor Paul in terms of saying that, you know, for me, CFC, well, it was one of the first charismatic churches in Northern Ireland, and um, it took a lot of flack from, unfortunately, the church and from other people because it was different. And, you know, I always quite often say to people, you know, Paul and, and the leadership of CFC paid a price for being the first, and we all got to kind of set up our churches and and the price had already been paid. They t- he took the flack, and we got to just, oh, is that your new church? It's a bit like CFC. All right, then on. And, but <laughs> you, were, you, you got a hard time. I remember one time uh, somebody in my school said, is it true that uh, Paul Reed levitates at the front of your church? <laughs> and I was like, well, have you ever seen him? I don't think so. <laughs> so, um, but like that's one of the most the more kind things that the people give you a hassle about. But, you know, it's really important to, to recognize that, that where there's breakthrough, where people pay the price, we need to honor that. We need to honor what God has done. We need to honor the fact, when I was in CFC as a teenager, there was so much permission for us to do stuff and to try things and experiment, um, and that we grew up under that, and we were released into our gifts because we were told just, go and give it a go, go and try things. We used to start prayer meetings and youth events and all sorts of things because there was permission. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for you, Paul, um, and for your love for the word. So yes, come on up and we'll, and we'll pray for you. You can introduce Keith later as well. Lord, we thank you for Paul. We thank you for um, who he is, God. Uh, not just as a leader, but as a person. We thank you for him and Priscilla and their family. And God, we pray that you would bless him this morning and bless the word that he brings to us. May our hearts and minds be open to really hear what the Spirit wants to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to trip on that. Oh, yeah. I- Chris, thank you so much for that very warm welcome. I certainly appreciate it. A couple of other funnies were that somebody phoned up the office one day and said, uh, is it true that Paul Reed has forbidden you to eat strawberries? People believe this stuff. One person said to me, a man said to me one day, you charismatics only go to church to enjoy yourself. And I went, what's about time we enjoyed ourselves in church for goodness sake? So we, we, got, we, got, we got lots of flack. And uh, as, as Chris said, those are, the, those are the later moments, but there were some more difficult ones. Uh, it's really good to be here. I love your new buildings. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Chris gave us the tour. Uh, it's so impressive. Uh, I, we're, we're, I'm speechless to be honest with you it's so fantastic so enjoy it and see it as a, a gift from God if I look a bit haggard this morning it's because uh, Priscilla and I have been uh, babysitting four children under six since Thursday lunchtime including two-year-old twins and honestly you see if you've got small children respect I you know what I've discovered if you have uh, no, it's grandchildren for us. But you know, when you're away from your grandchildren or your, your if you're, your mom, you know, your children, you miss them. Isn't that right? No, just no. <laughs> no. 
you know, and it's hard. You know, it's, it's hard. You just feel, I, we were away for two weeks before Christmas, and I just missed the grandchildren so much. But what I've discovered is this, it's harder being with them. So if you have to do hard, do the hard of being away from them, okay? Because it's easier than actually being with them. So we had a, we've had a, a, a it's, been, it's been an adventure, as you can imagine. The twins are Izzy and Mary, and they are obsessed with me. They love me. They won't kiss Priscilla. They won't, they won't let her do it. I have to get them, I have to do everything for them. So that's been uh, pretty incredible. Anyway, I, what I want to, it sort of segues into what I want to talk about today. And I suppose it comes from being old as well. And I've called it the myth of the next generation. And the, the subtext is building a multi-generational church. And something that I've observed over the years is that um, when you get to a certain age, it's automatically assumed that you're no use anymore. When I retired 13 years ago, somebody said to me, uh, God hasn't finished with you yet. I went, well, I never thought that he had. And there's this kind of mindset that, that something happens to you, you carry something, and then one day it all shuts down and you're put out to pasture. And, and I, I think you've got to be really careful about this. I, I, I want to say this, you can still cheer when you're running. And if you want, I'm going to call it the handing on of the baton. If you want my baton or baton, listen, get your own, you're not getting mine. So I want to encourage everybody here, and every age will have a, will have a, a response today. Uh, I brought Keith with me, Keith Lockhart, a member of CFC for many years, uh, a close friend of mine. Uh, we often travel together. Uh, he's a prophet, and uh, whenever we, it's going to come a time when he's going to pray for you as well. So, so just ex expectation for that. There is no such thing. Well, first of all, let me read Scripture. That would be good, wouldn't it? Let's do that. Okay, let's read the Bible. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. Uh, beginning to read at verse 12. And Paul says this, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love this because here's a man nearing the end of his life. And it's not, he's not talking about salvation here. Please don't get that out of your mind. He's talking about continuing to walk in the call that God has on his life. He presses forward. He's forgetting what's behind. All the great things that he's done, he said he's still serving God and he still believes that there's more to do. There is a, there is a myth of the, the baton uh, it, there's no such thing as the baton. There is, of course, that at every stage of your life, you carry something. Uh, you operate in a certain way, depending on your gifting, your talent, uh, your, uh, uh, the call of God upon your life. And, uh, but but you, you pass from one stage to another. Twenties turn to thirties, and there's a new change in mindset, lifestyle, and anointing. Everybody's got a, a race to run, no matter what age you are. And I think sometimes we're in our desperation to get young people into the church, what we do is we say, at a certain age, you're doing it and nobody else is doing it. What I want to do and see in the church is this, for everybody to play their part. Now, my premise is this, that every 10 years or so, something shifts in your life. As I said, teens turn into 20s, 20s to 30s, 30s to 40s, etc., etc. And, and while, while it's, a, it's a blunt instrument, in my life it's been that way. And it's kind of Priscilla and my journey. 
And what I want to do is help us to successfully negotiate the transition between one phase in your life and the next. Problems occur when we've got a, I think, a worldly approach, actually, a two-stage approach, active hands-on and put out to pasture. Uh, and the other problem is when we stay in one phase of our life when we should have moved on to the next. And some of us do that. We're stuck in something and we haven't quite made the transition. But I think if we're going to build a, a lasting and a thriving church, we need to do age and stage appropriate things. And I'll come back to that a little bit later on. Uh, I, I think, you know, don't tell young people to be sensible and balanced. Excess should be their middle name. But we want that excess channeled into the kingdom of God. And as Chris already alluded to, one of the things that, well, I did a, a, one of the, a TV program many years ago when I was retiring. And uh, the producer interviewed me and he said, he said, are you concerned that the... Uh, uh, that the, the, your, your successor will change things. And I said, no, the, the issue is not, everything looks different in a new phase. But I said, it's important that the culture is the same. And one of the things that we had was give it a go. Give it a go. Sure, what's the worst can happen? Nobody died. And we, we, we encourage people to do that. Uh, and so I want to do, uh, what, what I want to do today is this, to give you a challenge. I think we've got to guard and promote the transitions and actually help each other between the various stages of life that we all have to go through. Everybody who wants long-term success has to reinvent themselves every 10 years or so. It sounds a, bit of a, sounds a bit of a challenge, actually. But what happens is this. It's very releasing because you pick up a new sense of lifestyle, anointing, and purpose. Uh, even in Scripture, of course, John chapter 12 what did Jesus say? Except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. And if you can endure that death of something, then, then you move on to the next stage, like a butterfly coming out of a cocoon. If you're not willing to embrace and get comfortable with all the conflicts of change, both internal and external, then you'll get comfortable with being stuck in the same old, same old. Change happens to us without permission. Change happens in us by submission. I'll say it again. Change happens to us without permission. It'll happen whether you, listen, you will turn from 40, from 39 to 40, whether you like it or not. But if you want something to change within you, you've got to submit to God's process in your life. I passed through, get it? Now, I'm in my eighth decade. That's shocking, isn't it? I mean, please be shocked, will you? You know, I... I'm, seven, I'm 72. I, I, can't, I have a daughter who'll be, who'll be 46 this, this year. I mean, I, I remember when I was 46. It's ridiculous. But, but the reality is it's not. Now, what, my journey is not, not your journey. Uh, and, and probably it's the journey of most people who've been through church. And if you became a Christian in your 40s, then you might behave like a 20-something. So here, let's, let's, let's go this way. I'm going to take a, have a look at each journey, each stage in our life, and then we're going to pray for those people. I'm going to ask you to stand just to prepare you. Okay, lock the doors. Uh, okay, we've got, well, we've got the teens. Now, the teens years, I've called them, uh, it's discovery time. It's a time when they move from parental faith and preconceived faith to original belief and personal faith. In other words, there comes a moment in every teenager's life when they go, is this dad and mom's faith or is this my faith? 
Now, if you're born in a development traditional church, you get confirmed when you're about 14. Isn't that right? In other words, you confirm the vows that your parents made on your behalf when you're a baby. That's what happens when you're baptized as a child. You, your parents make some vows and you confirm them. You say, yes, they're mine now. But in our churches, we don't do that. So what happens is they go away for a weekend, they do a, go for a camp, and they, get, they have a wonderful encounter with God. And so it, it's really important that we understand that. There's a real, there's a real generation gap. I, I was at my great uh, niece's house at Christmas, and her son, I know she's my niece, her son, Daniel, uh, uh, he's doing, uh, he's at university. And I said, and what are you studying at university? This is, this, is the, this is the conversation. What are you studying at university? He said, AI, Uncle Paul. Oh, good. I said, is it animals or, or humans? I mean, this kind of a, what? I went, animals or humans? He went, no, artificial intelligence. I said, I thought it was artificial insemination. <laughs> I, honestly, that's, I mean, it just showed, it, it was just highlighted. You know, we're, we're, I, I'm, we're, we're in different parallel universes here. So actually, I saw him quite recently, and he said, Paul, Uncle Paul, I've moved on to cows now. Don't worry about it. But, you know, there's a, in our in our teens, it's a discovery of who they are and what they believe. Most of them make some sort of profession early in life. They have an attempt at it. They make several professions early in life. Every children's meeting they go to, they get saved all over again. That's what happens. And actually, to be fair, you know, they lead double lives. They lead one life in school and one life in church. Lots of them do that. And so, we, you know, we do need more, more teens in church, but they're, they're, what they believe is being fought out on a minefield of sexual consciousness, image consciousness, and peer pressure. And we need to give them room to fail, and room to mess up and generally do stupid things. But here's the point, they need to meet Jesus for themselves. Everybody needs their own encounter with Christ. You have to give them an opportunity to follow Jesus and meet Jesus, maybe not in the way that we have or I came to Christ, and not force them into experiencing everything that we did. But nonetheless, they need to have an encounter with Jesus for themselves. We need to pray for our teens. So I'm going to ask Keith to come up. I don't know if there's any teens left in the building, in the, in the meeting. If there aren't, that's okay. Now, if you're a teenager, would you stand up? I know this is awkward, okay, but please, come on, help me here. Do, do me a favor. It, you're not a teenager. There's <laughs> people sneaking up here. Any teenagers that are not refusing to do it? Okay, there we go. Brave, give that girl a round of applause there, okay? <laughs> you can represent them, Keith. We're going to pray together uh, for our teens. Yeah. And uh, I, when I'm praying, generally get word about birds. I thought there's no birds in here today, but actually there is. Uh, these are starlings, and they form an incredible murmuration. Has anybody seen a murmuration of starlings? Yeah. And so I thought the Lord said, the issue with our teens is who they're following. As Paul said, in terms of following Christ or following the crowd. And uh, the murmurations are incredible. They all move together. And there's a way through social media now you know, the, 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 uh, the threat is that they all move together in their own direction. But what we're praying today yeah. is that our teens will discover a different direction. Because they may, you may think that there's so much out there that is distracting them that it's impossible. But the truth is that one glimpse of Jesus is enough. And so what we want to pray, Lord, 
is that today for our teenagers, that they would, each and every one of them who are represented here today, get a glimpse of Jesus. And Lord, we remember the call to Jeremiah where he said, Lord, Lord, I can't speak. I'm too young. Lord, as Paul said, we want to release them to have a voice. Lord, we want to release them to realize that before they were even born, you knew them. Lord, we want to uh, pray for the greater destiny that you've planned for them, Father, that is so much brighter than the brightness of the internet. And so, Lord, even in this moment, we pray for a revelation for them. And we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful girl who is Rose, who is standing, in a sense, alone here. But, Lord, thank you that she represents a generation. Lord, where the fragrance of Christ is to be released. Lord, thank you for Rose. That Lord, as she worships you, the fragrance of Christ is released. Amen. And Lord, I thank you that you're reminding her today that she is uniquely made, that each of her teens are uniquely made. And so Lord, we pray against comparison. We pray against, Lord, limiting what they see through comparing with another. And we release them to see the greater vision. And Rose, you are uniquely called. The Lord sees in you such a beauty as you worship him. And so we release you to be uniquely rose. And the Lord says, I put wisdom and knowledge into you. And the Lord says that you can be unique and different in a quiet way. But that quietness will be noticed by others because they will see in you something different. Lord, let the different that is Christ arise in all our teens. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's give Rose up. Thanks, Kate. Okay, moving swiftly on, the, the, uh, the 20s, I've, I've called it the, the, uh, the 20s, born to run, born to run. It's, the, it's a stage where profession of faith from their teens either fades or becomes hard-nosed conviction. We lose a lot of our kids at that turnover point when they go to uni. Uh, they experiment, they try lots of different things. Uh, I was married when I was, uh, Priscilla and I were, were 22 when we got married, the average age of marriage today is 31 for women and 33 for men. So things have, things have shifted. We were out every night. We went to meetings, camps, coffee bars, door-to-door, open airs. Literally, we were absolutely obsessed about reaching people who didn't know Jesus. I was thinking about the different issues. We were, we were all worried about Russia and the Middle East. and <laughs> It's all come full circle again. Everybody's the same. But I think 20s are adventure time. And, and my challenge to you as a church is this. Provide a culture where they can be excessive. Okay, I'll explain that. I, I think it's a, a desire for greater purpose. You know, young people in their 20s won't stay long at your church or, or work for causes that have little or greater meaning or purpose. And so we have to have a, a, a meaning of why we're here, what this is about. And I think you've been successful in doing that. Young people in their 20s aren't waiting for somebody to change the world. They're just doing it. They're doing it on the internet. They're crowdfunding. They do start nonprofits from home. And, and the next generation, they believe that, they not only believe they can have a global impact, they're actually doing something right now. And if your church doesn't have a, a burning vision to see our world change, don't dumb it down. Lift your vision up as far as you can. I think churches look lame compared to the average 22-year-old. Uh, I remember whenever we had done about 50 alphas, uh, and we were kind of running out of steam a bit. Uh, Laura Bell said to me, what about doing it in the pub? 
And I went, can you do that? She said, well, 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 we'll give it a go. So we went to McHugh's bar and we sold tickets and we sold 237 tickets for it. We got a hog roast in, got an indie band in. I have no idea what that is, but it, apparently it was very good. We got an indie band in and we had this incredible, this incredible alpha in the pub. And what you find is this, young people take a year out, it becomes three, and they need to be full on and addicted. Here's the point, if we don't give them the freedom to be full on within the church, then there's a culture outside of God's kingdom that will. It's a culture that is a culture of self, it's sexually charged, and unless we give them permission and urge them to be excessive with destiny and purpose, We'll find them putting their energies into sexual urges rather than spiritual quests. Cut your 20s loose. They've got something to say and something to do. They're world changers. If you're in your 20s, would you stand, please, Keith? There we go. They're all sitting in a wee corner over there. Oh, well, there's a few more. Good to see you. Thank you. Um, I was praying for you guys earlier. I this word overwhelmed for your generation. And I think there's a real attack on mental health. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Okay, there's a real attack on uh, the fact you've got all your life ahead of you, all of that Paul has described, and yet the enemy wants to overwhelm you. And the Lord gave me this scripture for you guys. Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak, and even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let them rise on the wings of your spirit. Lord, we pray for these guys who are standing and who they represent. Lord, let them rise on the wings of your spirit. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we, apart from you, we can do nothing. But Lord, there is so much that you've called them to do. And you say that, Lord, when we are weak, when we are strong, I feel like the Lord said, bring your loaves and fishes and there's a lovely couple here. I just feel the Lord saying that there is gifting and release and a future. He's given you hope and a future, but it's only slowly, slowly emerging. But the Lord says, if you ask him, he will show you a better horizon and a better vision. And I feel it's like incremental. It's bit by bit and little by little. And you do feel weak and you do feel overwhelmed. But the Lord has given you that lovely lady, <laughs> just he's giving you an insight into his heart. And that's what he wants to do for all of us. He wants to give you an insight into his heart. And he says to the likes of this lovely young man here with the tattoos, he, he says to you, I have promised you life to the full. It's so far beyond what you can see. You've tried so many things. But he's saying, I made you before you were born. I knew you. I know the plans that I have for you. It's to give you hope and a future. It's so exciting. I gave all my 20s to doing children's ministry. And I'm so glad because it was so exciting to see kids discover Jesus. The Lord says he's got a better place and a better purpose. And he said that it's the best thing for you and for all of you as we submit, Lord, our 20s to you to find the better thing and to find the thing that was ordained before they were even born. Amen.
Thank you. Haynes. And I've just made these up, but uh, the 30s, you passed 20s to 30s, I've called it, uh, we are the champions. We are the champions. And, and it's an age where I think you champion new things. And remember, I'm paralleling this with my life. And uh, you want to discover new ways of doing church and abandoning what you consider to be old, stale ways of doing things. I remember Priscilla and I, uh, we, I had 30 uh, Priscilla was just a, uh, a bit younger than me, uh, and uh, we started a little house church. Eventually, it morphed into CFC, but we thought we were the only house church in the whole world. And when you're in your 30s, you begin to raise a family, and you think, would I, would, do I want my kids to grow up here? And you think, could I bring my friends here? Uh, they question the old, and they herald in the new. They've got things to say and need to be listened to. They're the champions of new ideas. Again, uh, a number of years ago, uh, and I know it's old hat now, but uh, when, whenever, I don't think, I don't, I don't know anybody who was doing it. Uh, again, one of our 30 said to us, Paul, you know, I really enjoy church, but um, I, it's, it's just kind of difficult to get my friends into it. And I said, okay, I understand that. W what would you like to do? And they said, could we do a cafe church? And I went, could you do that? Uh, and, and so we, we started this cafe church, which was, which was a venue on the same premises that was casual. Uh, people could come in. We, we ran it. Uh, it was multi-generational. We thought all young people would come, became multi-generational. Uh, different people like different things. Uh, and it was, it was exciting. Uh, and it's morphed over the years. We did two services. Uh, we called the later one Hangover Church, and people came to it. So it was, it was very different, but it came from somebody who was in their 30s. Uh, you know, you realize, like myself, you'll never play for Northern Ireland. You'll never play football for them. And it's a transition that I think is met. Uh, it's hard. It's hard because I think it's a time when you're on the rise in your career, and there's a, sometimes there's an idea that you need to channel, and there's nothing wrong with this, but all of your energy and an obsession with ladder climbing, and you put your creative juices into your career, and you ignore what God's doing. And, and so if I was a champion of, old, of an old order, of a new order rather, then I've got to give space for other people to do the same. So we're going to pray for the 30s, and if you're in your 30s, would you stand up here, okay? Come on, this is awkward, but we're all right. There you go. Why don't we just reach out our hands to all these guys here? Yeah. And Paul said to Timothy uh, to fan into flame the gift that was in him. Because God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of love and power and self-control. And I just felt the Lord wanted to reignite some of you guys. Sometimes just it's, it's the attritional side of work or children or just weariness can weigh, can weigh us down. Uh, we, we've kind of uh, lost some of the spark. And so, Lord, we just pray, Lord, right now for these guys, that you would reignite in them, Lord, the spark of your Holy Spirit. Yes. Lord, that sense, Lord, of your empowering, of your enabling, Lord, of uh, the excitement, Lord, of being caught up day by day, knowing that you've got purpose for us in every moment and hour and day, and week, and month, and year. Lord, I pray that you'd fan into flame that gift. Lord, let fear go, Lord. Fear of whether we succeed or not. Fear yeah. of whether we look yes. good. Fear of whether we succeed in work, or succeed at home, or succeed as individuals. Because, Lord, we haven't been given a spirit of fear. And I just feel the Lord is raising up you 30-year-olds with new initiatives in this church, actually. And the thing is, do not let the enemy saying, oh, you can't do that. 
But we just release you now to know that the Lord is calling you to hear him clearly and to step forward away from fear into the Lord's faithfulness and calling that is irrevocable. And God is making so many of you different parts of this church. There's a lovely couple here. And I just see written over you faithfulness, faithfulness. That they, you know, that they, the, the Lord has, has planted you for a display of his splendor. And it's, he's made you oaks of righteousness that many will find. He's given you a pastoral heart that many will shelter under. And so we thank you, Lord, that you've given, Lord, uh, different ones of us different gifts and Lord, you want to release the dance again. Guys, this is meant to be fun in the sense that the joy of the Lord is our strength, not about circumstance, but there's a lovely couple here with a beard and a, the lady hasn't got the beard with the guy. And uh, that just, you know, I just feel there's something in you, the Lord wants to release something of his rivers. He didn't promise us plastic bottles of water, but rivers of living water to flow from our innermost being to refresh the body of Christ to refresh others. And I just feel in you there's this channel of refreshment through intercession and through hearing his word and doing it. A gift of faith that says, no, our God can do this. And praying things. I see you birthing things into being. The Lord says, I've made you a father and mother. And I want you to birth what I've put into your hearts and minds. A bit like Joseph that everybody laughed at. And you've gone through trial. And there is, so, there is more trial, but it's all toward the elevation that God's got for you to be a couple in this church that can release joy. Lord, release the joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength, 30s. Amen. Yeah. Well, the 30s move into 40s, and to be honest with you, I've called them the pillars of strength. It's the most dangerous age and season. It's interesting. Wherever I've done this throughout the world, and, and, and particularly larger churches, there's less 40s than any other age group. There's there, there several reasons for that, because you can become marginalized because of a transition, and, and you're moving into a new season in your life. You've probably got teenage children, that puts years on you. You feel a bit older even. And, and, and there's, a, there's a real sense in which you've been around church for 20 years. And you've been there and you've seen it and you've seen seasons come and go. And, and you go, is, is, this, is this it? And you, you, begin to, you begin to, you often transition from being the main person to the producer. Envy of those in their 20s abounds and insecurity is rife. I know I'm giving you a hard time here, but this is my observation. And, and, I, think, I, think that, and I, I think that in your church leadership, you've got this incredible balance. Because if you continually promote 20-somethings, you'll find a drop in the attendance of 40-somethings and a rise in 50-somethings. You say, well, well, why is that? Because the 40-somethings used to do it. And now, now, now they don't lead worship, so they go to another church because they let them play the drums. And the 50-something... You're quite encouraged because what you used to do, your kids are now doing. You can see them up on the stage and you're really encouraged. And, you know, you used to be the young hip thing that led the worship, but now some good-looking guy's doing it. I, I think it's really important because if the 20s bring passion and the 30s bring new ideas and the, uh, the 40s give strength, and I, I think I would appeal to all of you who are in your 40s, God, and I'll say this to you, even though I didn't like it, God is not finished with you. 
I think it's essential that you act strategically to give strength to those who've got more energy than you have. Because, you see, the transition between the ages is not only physical, it's emotional as well. You can't actually cope with some of the stuff that you used to be able to do. I proved it this weekend. Now, I, I must confess, I, we just live up the street from our daughter, and I refuse to sleep in the same house as the children. I, I go up every night and sleep in my own bed. Because I just can't, honestly, when somebody wakes me up at half five singing jingle bells, I want to kill them. I want to murder them, honestly. I find murder is in my heart, and I have to be really careful about that. So emotionally, I can't cope with it. It feels like jet lag, actually, when you have to wake up that early. And so it's, it's a, I, I think it's a real time when we discovered, I, after you've discovered what you're not anymore, you begin to think of what God has for you. Pillars don't win awards, but without them, the roof caves in. I think it's time for the 40s to rise up and carry the weight of the church, because you do. Financially, because you're probably at the peak of your earning power, emotionally, strategically, and prayerfully. And, and I'd say this to you kindly, quit feeling rejected, quit being cynical, and quit quitting. You're a pillar in the church. So if you're in your 40s and you're still here, would you stand up, okay? Here we go, 40s. Here we go. Yeah. Wonderful. Tell you what, this is very unusual, honestly. Yes. A great crowd of 40s. Fantastic. Um, I made it through, guys, with five kids. <laughs> I just had this word, I was praying earlier for you, and the word was pivot, pivotal. And I just feel you guys in this church at the moment are pivotal that there's, pivotal, there's going to be pivotal moments in your life, both in terms of choices, but you're also a pivot in this church around which God is moving the future. And you know, I want us to do something unusual. Can everybody stand with these guys? Because yeah, I think we need to, you're right in the middle of the generations. Yeah. And I think that you're absolutely key. And I think there is at this time a lot of temptation to give up. Whereas God says that he will complete the work he's begun in us. And he said that his word will not return to him void, but it will accomplish that for which he sent it. I want us to put our hands, reach out our hands, whatever you're comfortable with, to these pivots. And Lord, we are praying now. Yeah. Lord, let us not become weary in doing good. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if they do not give up. So we say, Lord, strengthen them. Lord, let them not doubt the vision that you gave them. But Lord, we just pray Lord, for those who are burdened and heavy laden, that you said, Lord, come to me and I will give you rest. Lord, we see in them wisdom. We see in them, Lord, a combination of vision, but also experience. And so we, we pray, Lord, would you protect that? But Lord, not lock it away. But Lord, let it be distributed out, Lord, even as you enable them to stand. Lord, we know that, that, you, know, that you are the vine, we're the branches, and that apart from you, we can do nothing. But let them remain in you. Let them remain in their marriages. Let them remain as fathers and mothers. Let them remain in their heart, hope if they're single, for that you're in control of the future of the minutiae and the mountains. And I just feel it's like for some of you, if there weren't chairs in front of you, I feel like God is saying, I really want you to take a step forward today to believe that I'm going to do all I said I was going to do. And recently, uh, it was a 10-year vision I thought was impossible. And this week I saw it fulfilled. 
to do with monetary and spiritual vision. And I just feel God saying, those visions I gave you 10 years ago or 20 years ago will be fulfilled. And so for Matt and for, um, for Catherine, and this is your daughter, uh, just, you know, I feel it's like the Lord is almost saying that there's a reboot for you guys, yeah. that you've been faithful. And uh, Catherine, he just delights in your heart and he just commends you for your love. And, you know, Matt, it's like you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And you've really longed, actually. You're like a chef who wants others to taste and to put things together. You like things to go together in the church the right way. It really irritates you if the chairs or the PA or things aren't exactly right or the coffee's not good. Is that right? <laughs> it's okay. But you find out now. Okay, you've got it the way you like it. But I almost feel the Lord saying there's more. There's more. And he wants you to, together with others here today, step forward into another step in what God has shown you, but even there's, a, there's an even greater horizon coming because I feel we're living in unprecedented days. I almost feel it's like there's the water trickling out of the dam, but the dam is going to burst. There is a tsunami of God's love coming, and it needs you guys who are strong pillars to stand and to help the young people to say, guys, come on, we can do this. Let's stand. Let's pray. Let's believe. Let's expect. Let's open our hearts to the new thing that God's doing. And now it comes into being. Do you not perceive it? Lord, refresh their vision. Strengthen their hearts. And give them a hope and a future in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give a big hand to our forties. Thank you. Okay, we're nearly there. Fifties. We're not going up to the nineties. Don't worry about that. But I, I, I've called the 50s the carer of people. I think something something shifts in you. And uh, it, again, like I've said, for every age group, uh, and it's, it's a time when people have a midlife crisis. Actually, statistically, more people have affairs in their 50s than any other age. And you, if you're a man, you're beginning to wonder, are you still attractive? You know, which is a bit of a joke, actually. But, you know, there's, there's something in you that begins to wonder and look beyond what you should look to. I think sometimes churches make mistakes with 50s. I think one of the worst things that I ever did over the years, I've always regretted it. And, and I understand the reasons why we did it. We were appointing some new elders and, and we actually publicly said we wouldn't, look, we wouldn't consider anybody over the age of 40. And what that did was that disenfranchised all the people over 40. It was just like saying to them, you're done now. You're finished. You're put out the grass. And I had to go back on that. And that was the wrong thing to do. I think the 50s, for me, they've got an incredible sense of value to the church. And I've called them the carers because I think there's something about spiritual parenting. You've brought your own kids up, and you've done well with some and not so well with the other. <coughs> I'm still, I'm, we're, some of our girls are still uh, writing their testimony, shall we say. And, uh, but nonetheless, one of the things that I really missed when they went to university was their friends stopped coming to our house. But when they came to our house, we were able to spiritually parent them. And even just on a kitchen sink basis. But nonetheless, we got, we, got, uh, we got the opportunity to do that. And it was a celebration of what God has done in you and through you. Because what we discovered was that their friends, most of them, and I mean this, most of them came from broken homes. There, there's, a, there's a generation that do not, when you have, whenever you say, <coughs> you know, your parents, our girls would say, people say, are your parents still together? And the fact that you're together, you know, actually means something. It imparts something. 
And there's a generation of fatherless kids who are looking for mothers and fathers. And I think when you get into your 50s, you've got an incredible job, job to do that. And, and my, my challenge to, for you today is actually you find some young people and you start to parent them. You start to invest your lives in them because uh, God's given you so much. I think early retirement can mean more time to travel. You can make new friendships. I had many prophetic words about travel and going to countries that really only came about when I got into my 50s. The average age of, of divorce is 52 so you've got to invest in your marriage right throughout your life. And uh, it's the time when you're most likely to lose your job. And that's a bit depressing, I know, but you, you, get, the, you get the picture. I, 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 remember, I remember whenever I was uh, 50, 56, um, I was, we were building a new extension in CFC. We were actually a complete new church, 7 million. And uh, we had to knock down the whole place, etc. And... and uh, I was. Uh, I invited somebody to come and speak, Andrew McCourt, and as as I'm speaking, as he's speaking, rather, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, "That's your successor." And I remember saying, "Well, how's that going to work? Because I'm not going anywhere." But it was God starting something in my life that would ultimately, of course, a few years later, lead to me retiring as pastor of CFC and doing something completely new. And I had a new career started when I was 59, 60. So it's a time, I think, whenever you begin to appreciate church. And if you've made it through your 40s, well done. And as I said earlier, you look up at the stage and your kids are now doing what you used to do. It's a great time in your life. And it's a time to celebrate, but it's a time to have your spiritual antennae up to look for uh, opportunities to spiritually parent. So if you're in your 50s, would you stand, please? If you're 59, you breathe a sigh of relief. And <laughs> Amen. I'm just going to do so much as to run. Come on, let's run. We can run. We can do this. Come on, Keith. We're not finished yet. Come on, you guys. Let's get up and go. Let's go. Let's go. Come Let's on. go. Let's go. Okay, I felt this like the scripture was, funny enough, <laughs> therefore, since we are surrounded 50s, let's reach out our hands towards these guys. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Oh, the saints that have gone ahead. My dad is with the Lord. Wow, he never gave up. He never gave up. Let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And Second Thessalonians, I want to pray this for you guys. May the Lord, the Lord who is the Spirit, direct your hearts into God's love, the Father, into God's love and Christ's perseverance. I just feel the Lord saying, do not give up. Do not give up. Do not give up. Do not give up. Come on. Let's run to the end. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. 
So many are looking to you. And the world says you're done. But Jesus says you're only begun. Because it's all eternity that counts. And we're now starting to really sow something for eternity. I feel that God wants to release a, a, a higher level of intercession, guys, in us, you as 50-year-olds. A higher level of praying. I've been praying for my kids for decades. They're still not there. But the Lord wants to release that sense that your prayers will be answered. But you pray with insight and wisdom. And you pray not in a naive way, but in a believing way that God will do it. God will do it. And so look after your health. Recalibrate your lives spiritually and physically and emotionally. And fix, look up. Guys, let's look up. Look up. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord, let these 50-somethings not just be 50-something, but be 50-everything that you have planned for them. Lord, that they would uh, press on to take hold of that for which you've taken hold of them. And there's a, you know, a young man here. <laughs> Isn't that good? In the glasses. <laughs> Is that Stevie? No, that's... that's uh, what's your name, sorry? Yeah, Peter. Jason. Jason. Uh, I, I said you're a young you're man, Jason. Goes, Isn't that good? Well. But I just, you know, I just feel, Jason, that, you know, as, as you're standing, like God is really calling you to be pillars. But Jason, he's really made you to be one who others look to. And he really wants you just to have your eyes absolutely fixed on Jesus in these days. I think there's a greater depth even in God's word uh, that God is drawing you into, a deeper understanding, a deeper believing, and a deeper example that God is making through you. And so I just feel that you know, any lie that, you know, maybe you missed it somehow a wee bit in any part of your life, God is saying, don't you worry, I'm going to complete everything I've called you to, Jason. You're on that journey of faith, and I will complete. And so with Jason, with everybody else here, let's not give up in Jesus' name. Amen. And finally, I'm going to do 60s and beyond, if you don't mind, okay? I, I suppose I subtitle them The Walking Dead, okay? That's me. That's a joke, okay? Only joking. I, I, I actually think we are the, we become the guardians of the vision. I think we not only help care for the flock, but we can help other people through the various transitions in their lives. We've been there. It's not what it used to be, but it's good. And it's different and really good in releasing I think your, your emotional energies uh, change uh, without the dogma of the 30s, the overload of work of the 40s, and the concerns of the 50s. I think 60s and above can provide wisdom to the whole church and let it see it fl flourishing. Most of 60s, I think, will be involved in both pastoring and in outreach. A lot of our people in uh, Alpha course are, are over 60s. And there's a sense in which, with a strong sense of parenting, the whole church can be helped from the 60s and above. The main temptation is to develop a critical spirit and go back to the good old days. I mean, the idea of, of, uh, the idea of a grumpy old man didn't come from nowhere. You know, there, there's, there's a reason for it. I remember when Andrew and Andrew, I transitioned to Andrew, I, he said to me one day, he did something, they'd done something new, and he said, what do you think of it? And I said, I hate it, but if anybody asks me, I love it. Not that I was pretending, but that actually he said to me, he said to me before we retired, he said, he said, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will have visions. And he said, if I, if I live for your dream, 
will you support my vision? Because the dream's the same, but it looks different. Every generation, it looks different. Uh, and, and so there's something in which we get the opportunity to be involved in brand new ministries. Priscilla uh, goes and speaks at a, it's called the Bible, uh, the Bible School, I think it's called. It originally started in the 50s by some brethren ladies in England and Turkey every year. And she's been quite a few times. But she said the first time she went, said uh, said 80% of them were over 65. And, uh, and then there was a group of 20-somethings. And Priscilla, she, the Lord really spoke to her about it. But she said, what am I doing with all these old people? I said, because you're one of them as well, for goodness sake. And uh, what she discovered was that all the, all the women in their 20s had been led to Christ through the women over 65 through their outreach. And, uh, and I remember Priscilla talking to a lady who was training to be 84, training to be a street pastor. And Priscilla said, I want to be like you when I grow up as well. What, what's it like? So there's, there's something when you're over 60, you, you get released to do new things. It's an incredible time. So if you're over 60, if you're able, uh, if, you're over, if, if you're over 60 and I'm standing with you, obviously, and so is Keith, would you stand where you are? Let's, let's, get, them, let's get these old people up here. Look at that. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Lord. Why, why don't we reach out our yeah. hands towards these, us, <laughs> me, 60-somethings. And um, Lord of the Rings, the, the Ents, do you remember the Ents? They were old, old trees, as old as eternity. And one of them would be refreshed by just lifting his branches up and then the stream would pour over him. And You know, I, I just feel God wants to refresh some of us again in worship. It's almost like familiarity. We just, we've seen it in the past, but God wants to renew our worship. Because it's our worship that gives us our strength. And like Caleb, who, although he was 85, so something for Paul to even look up to, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go to battle now as I was then. Are we ready to go to battle, guys, again? Are we in the battle still? Are we praying and pressing on? So thank you for those who inspire us to keep going. Paul said, even if you had 10,000 guardians, you don't have many fathers and grandfathers. Guys, I'm surrounded by six grandchildren, and it's chaos, and I love it. Although, like Paul, I'm exhausted. We need to love. We need to love. We need to love. We need to love. Love them. Love them though they're broken. Love them though they're wrong. Love the leaders. Love the children. Love the teenagers. Love the 20s and 30s and 40s. Love them. Pour out the father's love on them. Pour out grandfather's love and grandmother's love and mother's love on them. More love, Lord. More love in Jesus' name. More love to these wonderful, faithful mothers and fathers who have been faithful over the years, Lord. And yet there's more. There's more love. Your love is not restricted. But Lord, your love, Lord, pours out right to the end, Lord. Pour your love out through us and in us, Lord. Thank you. I feel the Lord's thank you. Almost he would say thank you to everyone. He thank you to this couple here right in front of me. Thank you. The Lord says thank you, good and faithful servants, that you've not given up, even though you've encountered so many tumultuous storms in life you've never given up you've never given up you've kept your eyes on jesus through the storms and the lord says you will help others through storms with the comfort we ourselves receive we then comfort others and so the lord is saying again he's not finished with us yet guys his love is not restricted and so lord just renew us in your spirit 
to continue to love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give a big hand to over 60s. Thank you. To just just uh, literally a couple of minutes and then I'll hand over to you, Chris, okay? I, 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 think that I think creating an intergenerational church is a clear way to creating a powerful 21st century church that holds all the strengths of each generation. And honestly, I think it's the church's greatest challenge. Most new churches tend to be younger in age. And it's because young people are more responsive to the gospel, as well as our inability to transition to the next stage of life. But here's the thing, life is long. And when we give huge effort to bring people through the front doors, let's not stand idly by and, and see many people disappear quietly out the back door when they were actually destined to complete all the stages of their life. The greatest challenge for you personally is to navigate the next transition between the stages. If you do it well, you'll model out to others that each generation has got something to offer. I have to say this, some of you know this, but I, I always mention it. Whenever, whenever I hit 70, I was, Phil uh, and I were doing 100 flights a year up to that, from that 10 years from 60 to 70. And that uh, we began to ask the question, well, what would the next 10 years look like? And we said we didn't want to do as many flights as that. And I said, well, what would keep me at home? And obviously preaching, etc. But I got a call from Linfield Football Club and asked me to be their chaplain. Living the dream. I, it was honestly, it's been. I, now I had, a, I had, a, I was doing the academy as well, but I was the Walking Dead to them. Now, to be honest with you, I've got somebody to do that. But it was, a, it's been a new challenge, and I absolutely love it. And so, to anybody over 60, 70s, pray that God opens a door for you. And there's something, something that will challenge you and change you. And I'm, we're praying that we keep on going for the next decade. So God bless you. Thank you for being here today and successfully navigate that transition over to you, Chris. You can give me a round of applause if you like. Um, it'd be great actually if we could maybe, could we all stand? Um, and uh, if a few people could maybe just gather around Keith and Paul, um, if you're nearby, it would just be good if we could bless them since they have blessed us so much. Yeah. You see, they're not just guests or visiting speakers. Yeah. They're actually also part of our wider church family as part of the Tabar Church Network too. But I think we have all really been blessed this morning by them. And so, so Jesus, we thank you for um, these men who are at a stage in their life where they have demonstrated what it looks like to continue to run the race. And so, Lord, we thank you for Keith's prophetic gift. We thank you for the voice of the Lord that comes afresh to us and speaks encouragement and inspiration. Lord, we pray that you continue to bless Keith and his family in that. Lord, we thank you for Paul and for Priscilla. We, Lord, we thank you for uh, their desire to continue serving the church and to continue running the race. Lord, to show us what it looks like to grow old disgracefully. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you and we pray that they would continue to be a blessing um, to the church uh, and to each other and to their family. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. If God has been speaking to you, I'm, I'm sure God has been speaking to lots of you today, um, but if God has been speaking to you specifically today, or if there's any other reason why you need prayer ministry, the prayer ministry team are going to be at the front. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you feel like God has spoken to you about something specific. It's always really good to get some confirmation, some affirmation when you feel like God has spoken to you. So if that's you this morning, please come up. The guys are at the front. Um, and if you have kids, could you pick them up from kids ministry? And please hang around and have coffee and tea afterwards. We'd love to spend some time with you. Thank you very much.